I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, defending World Series champion Cubs. With us today is special guest star Ryan Davis, who has a cue that doesn't really make sense in his Twitter handle. Hey, Ryan, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Okay. Give the crew your Twitter handle just for kicks. Um, I am at Ryan Q. Davis, and uh, you, the Q can stand for it or you want it to be. Okay. Well, Ryan writes for, among other things, the Sporting News, uh, FanRag Sports, he is a guest on the BP Wrigleyville podcast, although he doesn't write for Baseball Perspectives anymore because you write for 2080 Baseball instead. And that's cool. Like, you're you're basically all over the place, and I've seen you pretty much all over, and I really appreciate your time doing this with us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, anytime, anytime that I'm free, I love to come on podcasts, radio, wh- whatever. I, I love to spread it around. So absolutely, thank you for having me. Yep. And uh, let's just set up a quick plan. We just want to very quickly talk about our thoughts on the Ofer California trip. That was mm-hmm. kind of horrible. Uh, we're trying to talk about, you know, just basically underachievers around MLB. So just make us feel a little better. Uh, there was a spectacular little conversation we had a few days ago uh, when Homer Simpson was, quote, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And finally, uh, Ryan's going to be at Wrigley on Friday and Saturday to uh, basically get quotes from players uh, between the Cardinals and the Cubs, and we'll talk a little bit about a preview of that series. How's that for a plan, sir? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Sounds good to me. All right, here we go. So, uh, oh, for California, we totally did not expect that. No. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, uh, a brutal six games after that seven and two homestand or, or stretch that they just had. Uh, it looked like they were playing better baseball overall. Uh, you just really didn't think that they were going to go out there and do that. You, you thought maybe two and four was possible, or three and three. And and really, it, even two and four, if if you had, you know, if you had only taken one in each series, you could have shrugged it off and said, okay, you know, you're you're still, you're still still fine in the division. But uh, going out on the road and losing three in Los Angeles and then three in in San Diego against the Padres, where you scored a total of five runs against, uh, you know some starting pitching that again been hit around quite a bit. Uh, it's a bit perplexing. It's uh, they're not fun to watch right now. I'll say it that way. And I know I'm not uh, surprising any Cubs fans by saying that, but uh, I, I'm sure that the Cubs would say that themselves, that they're, they're not having a ton of fun out on the field right now. From the entire channel four news team. I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Yep. And I mean, we we talked about this earlier with Dubinsky. Like, we're obviously still uh, happy about the the whole winning the World Series thing. So there are certain things that it 
it makes it a little easier to stomach for me anyway. And obviously, we're very frustrated. We we know this team can do better. They know they can do better. The manager knows they can do better. The front office knows they can do better. So we'd like to, you know, actually see this come to fruition instead of saying, well, on paper, they're good. Well, games are unfortunately not played on paper, and, you know, there's only so much <laughs> we, we can right. really stomach. Yeah, I, mean, I was having a conversation with Jared Willis, the uh, uh, co-editor of uh, BP Wrigleyville. We were just chatting a few days ago about what's going on, and, and um, we both kind of agreed on the notion, could you imagine this happening the, like it has right now if the Cubs had lost Game 7 of the World Series? I mean, it, it would. It, it's unfathomable how terrible that would be. I mean, it, it's like... Uh, yeah, I guess it was it, it was it would be like the 2009 season had they actually gone to the World Series in 2008. I mean, it's it it, it it boggles the mind how Cubs fans would be reacting to to what's going on right now because that's what you were sold, right? That's what Theo Epstein sold you from the start with the rebuild was once you once they get there and once they actually get to the point where the team is good, they'll be good every single year. And they were good those first two years. They won the World Series in 2016. But so far this year, they have not been good yet. And uh, I, I think with every game where they struggle and the starting pitching gets hit around, uh, it, it becomes more and more of a debate of just how good this team is. Yeah, I still have a lot of faith. I I, I guess I'm really zen about this. I understand that baseball is like super random. And right now they're in a random chunk where obviously everything is falling apart and they're still just two games below 500. Um, I, I guess I find a little bit of solace in that. And I was just looking up the past like decade or so of champions. Like let's, let's start with 2006. Uh, that's probably what we're going to see. If the Cubs make the playoffs, they are going to be basically 2017's version of the 20, uh, 2006 Cardinals. And the Cardinals didn't make the back to the playoffs for a couple of years after that. Right. Yeah. They, uh, um, and, and I mean, if you wanted to say it that way, you, you could look at it from the opposite side and say, well, the Cardinals had somewhat of an aging core at that point. Jim Edmonds was beyond his prime. Uh, Scott Rowland was, was coming towards the end of his prime. Um, there were some things going on with those 06, 07, 08 Cardinals where, yeah, they were kind of at the back end of that uh, that window uh, where it opened in 2000 and it took them all the way to 2006 before they actually won the World Series. And then after that, they started having to retool around Albert Pujols and bring in new players before they could, you know, kind of get back there in 2009 and 2011. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I think the Cubs are, it, it's an interesting comparison, but the Cubs aren't in a position at least right now where they have to do a massive retool with their roster and, and rebuild around certain players, um, except for maybe with the starting pitching. And, and that's where I think maybe that, that comparison is pretty apt is that, uh, this is kind of the last legs for the, uh, you know, Jake Arrieta, John Lester, um, Kyle Hendricks, uh, core, uh, of pitching with John Lackey on the side. Uh, I think going forward next year, you're going to have Hendricks and Lester, but you're going to have to fill in three other guys. And right now, maybe Eddie Butler is one of them. I don't think he's shown us anything in the big leagues yet to prove that he is worthy of the, of the fifth spot on that team. But 
Um, if he if he is number five, who is who are the three and four, and where do the Cubs go at this point to find a three and four heading into uh, 2018? It's a big question. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of talked about that because then I started thinking about the Giants, like they're even your magic. They obviously <laughs> did essentially what the Cubs are doing. They built based on their core, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, you know, Joe Panic, and Madison Bumgarner, Matt Cain before he broke in, like, hasn't been fixed yet, you know, Tim Lincecum. So we can look at that and say, well, every time after they won the World Series, the Giants didn't make it back to the playoffs. And it goes to show you how difficult it is to even make the playoffs, much less win a World Series. And so this is not it, – it's unexpected in a way, but it's not impossible to see a team that's so good on paper struggle so much like this. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, it's not unprecedented. I think the um, – I think the exception and not the rule is the Cardinals, right? The the 2002-2015 Cardinals, that that you know 16-year run where they were basically in the playoffs every year except for I want to say three years maybe. Um, that was the exception to the rule. Teams don't go on runs like that where they make the playoffs six, seven, eight years in a row. Um, it, it's just. In recent years, it doesn't work that way. There's too much parity, and, and things happen where teams just get derailed at some point. I mean, it happens with the Giants. Uh, it's happened with the Dodgers on occasion where they, they've missed the playoffs um, on you know weird years where, where they have a, a poor, poor performance. Um, it just happens these days. You don't you don't see those Braves division runs like like the uh, like the '90s Braves had where they won the division 15 times. It's just too rare anymore. So it, yeah, I don't think it would be too shocking. I'm not saying this year's team isn't going to win 90 plus games and, and make the playoffs because if if you if if I had a gun to my head right now and had to decide, I would say this team is a 92 or 93 win team uh, in the end. But um, would it totally shock me right now if this team ended up missing the playoffs? No, not really. Right. Let's play a quick game. Uh, so I'm looking at the standings right now, and I'm going to go through the division of leaders at the moment, and you tell me if they, in your opinion, they are true or pretenders. Let's start with the AL East and the Yankees, and Starling Castro, obviously. That, that was fun. But they are 30 and 19 as of this moment. Do you think they're the real deal, or do you think they go down to earth? Uh, I think they are a contender. Maybe not a World Series contender, but a definite playoff contender. Okay. And the Central, uh, let's go to the Central. There, there's a virtual tie between Cleveland and Minnesota right now. Who's the pretender and who's the contender? Uh, that one's an easy one. I think <laughs> Cleveland is the contender, and Minnesota is a definite pretender. Right, and everybody else is kind of chasing them. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people are surprised that the Cleveland Indians are struggling so much in what should be an easy division. Let's go right, with yeah. Houston. Uh, there's a big joke uh, since, I, I don't know, 2011, where people have been saying the 2017 Houston Astros, they have the best record in MLB right now. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going contender. Um I, I really like that team. I think they have good, um, they have top heavy but good p starting pitching with uh, Dallas Keuchel, uh, 
you know, Lance McCullers. Um, I like their overall makeup of their roster. I think Marwin Gonzalez is having an amazing year, uh, which is fun uh, from having followed him in the in the Cubs minor league system. So, yeah, uh, I like that team. I think they're going to win that division by double digits, and I think they're going to be the top seed in the American League. Okay, let's go to the National League. We got Washington Nationals, uh, 32 and 19. They are percentage points uh, above the Dodgers right now. Washington is probably a contender. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with yes. Um, yeah, they have uh, probably the uh, 2017 MVP in the National League, and they also have the reigning Cy Young Award winner. So when you when you break it down and say they have the best starting pitcher and the best hitter, um, you know, and they may have the best overall lineup in the National League too, when all things considered. So, yeah, uh, I will go with Nationals as a contender. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do a little twist here. Right now in the National League West, we got the Dodgers, Colorado, and Arizona all within a game of each other. Mm-hmm. Do you? I, I believe in the Dodgers, uh, and I think you do too, for obvious reasons. Do you believe in Colorado and the Diamondbacks right now? I think they contend for a playoff spot, and I think they will um, chase the Dodgers in the National League West. Uh, but I don't believe in them as as division winners just yet. Uh, I think the Dodgers win the division. I picked the Dodgers to win the World Series before the season started, and I'm sticking with that. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think probably both. I, I mean, anything can change, but right now it really looks like both the the Rockies and the Diamondbacks will be the the uh, the wild card teams. There's no team in the uh, in the NL East that's going to be a wild card. And right now, both those teams are, are so far ahead of anybody in the NL Central. So um, anything can change, but right now, those would be my two wild card picks. Okay, and we'll go back to the Central since you alluded to that. Does Milwaukee end up winning the division? No. Uh, I, I will say that I still believe the Cubs will win the division. Uh, I think I, I do like what I see from the Brewers. I think some of it has been smoke and mirrors, but they do have a really good offense. Uh, so I'll say that maybe they can contend with uh, Arizona or Colorado for one of those wild card spots. Uh, I don't know if they'll actually end up getting it, but I think Milwaukee has a chance. All right. That sounds great. And I, I think I agree with that. Like I'm not in a position where I can really analyze it at the moment, but just in my in my heart and my amateur scouting brain, I, I feel <laughs> like the Cubs are going to make a run, and we'll talk about that when we get to the preview of St. Louis. You you remember the little tiff I had over the weekend with uh, Stan, right? Like, uh, if you're listening, yeah, if you're listening, Stan, I don't hate you, and I don't think you hate me, but I, it was a lot more uh, <laughs> aggressive than I thought uh, it should be, given the subject matter. Yeah, it was a it was a tense disagreement. I could tell. <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, the setup is uh, over the weekend, the Memorial Day weekend. The old timers got together and they played like the Hall of Fame Classic in Double Day Field. Uh, if you've ever been to the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, it's beautiful. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool exhibits there, and not all of it has to do with Major League Baseball. And in this case, uh, we're talking about an iconic episode that everybody loves. So 
considering that this is an episode that got a lot of people thinking about baseball, that got a lot of, of the stars of the day into uh, a voice acting clinic and like everybody remembers this episode. Everybody loves this episode. Why, why not put it in the hall of fame considering how much it celebrates baseball? Yeah. Um, I think you made a good point in the conversation, uh, which is that there is an entire wing of the Hall of Fame dedicated to um, this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and what we're talking about specifically, if anybody doesn't know, uh, is an episode of The Simpsons from season three called Homer at the Bat. Um, and, and when I say if you aren't that familiar with The Simpsons, although I'm sure pretty much everybody these days has at least heard of it, um, season three would have been about 1992. Um, and uh, it, it was a popular show at the time uh, among a kind of a cult following on Fox, but it was nowhere near the cultural icon that it has become. And that episode really kind of put The Simpsons on the map. Um, they brought in uh, nine major league baseball players to voice themselves, where the Homer's boss, Mr. Burns, puts together a softball team and brings in all the ringers. Uh, and Homer has this wonder bat where he's hitting all the home runs. And it's just a great classic episode with uh, anybody who grew up watching baseball in the 90s, a ton of players that you're going to recognize, like, um, you know, Ozzie Smith and Ken Griffey Jr. when he was still very young and Roger Clemens. And there's an awesome joke where Clemens tells Homer that he made the team and and then says, wait, you're, are you Ken Griffey Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm counting uh, four Four Hall of Famers, uh, including Wade Boggs. So that's Ozzy, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Wade Boggs. Who am I missing? I'm missing somebody. Uh, Ozzy Smith. Um, Smith is a Hall of Famer. Let's see. Strawberry is not. Uh, Steve Sachs is not. But you can argue um, that Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame, and he will be within the next right, couple of years. Um, yeah. Clemens was there. Uh, Jose Canseco was there. Um, trying to think who their center fielder was, but yeah, it, it, it had it, to be Griffey then, right? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, Griffey. Yeah. yeah, yep. He was this, he was the uh, and Mattingly, Mattingly was at first base. Right. So yeah, it, it, it's a uh, it's a really great team uh, that Mr. Burns or I guess uh, his assistant Mr. Smithers put together because the joke is that Burns is so old he put together this this ancient team of players. Uh, and several of them were dead <laughs> and won for over a hundred years. And I actually wrote a piece for baseball prospectus over a year ago, uh, celebrating this episode of the Simpsons. Uh, and I did some research and found that, that, uh, Mr. Burns's original right fielder, I'm not recalling the name, but had have actually been dead for over a hundred years, which was pretty funny. I think he used a uh, cap Anson at some point and the, like yes. there's an argument that, you know, cap Anson is one of the greatest cups of all time, which is true. If, you believe in baseball before uh, black people were allowed to play. <laughs> right, yeah. If you, if you smooth over the uh, entire, um, you know, cultural barriers and, and all of that, yeah, you can you can make an argument that he, was, he, he put up some of the greatest numbers in Cubs history, at least. Let, let's go back to the argument, though. I don't think uh, Stan and you uh, had a problem with the episode. What the problem was is the faux uh, induction which yeah. is so obviously fake and meant for laughs and to show that, you know, the Hall of Fame can have fun every now and then. They don't always have a stick up their butts. So I thought that was cool. 
And I didn't think anything of it. There's no possible way that Homer's plaque ends up in the Great Hall where you see, like, you know, Greg Maddox's plaque or Randy Johnson's plaque or Pedro Martinez's plaque from, you know, recent years. There's no way. It's showing as its own exhibit, and they only did it because, you know, it's a cartoon and it's supposed to be funny. So I didn't understand where the anger was in that. Um, I understand it to a degree. Uh, the the point made was about a guy like Alan Trammell, who probably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, uh, but hasn't been elected to the Hall of Fame. And then he has to watch a guy – has to watch a, a fake character, Homer Simpson, uh, be, quote, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, and I get why that can be insulting, but – and I guess where I start to draw the line in the sand is – I'm not going to tell Alan Trammell how he should or should not feel about that. If he is upset about it, I'm not going to say his his feelings on it are, are wrong or he shouldn't be upset because it's just a goof. Um, but personally for me, I don't see why anybody should be upset specifically about that. But at the same time, I get why they might be. So I I, I was really lukewarm to the whole thing. I, I thought it was cool putting the, that I – th- I thought it was deserved to put Homer at the bat in that – a kind of media section of Hall of Fame where, you know, you have, I'm sure, things like A League of Their Own and uh, Major League and the Sandlot, uh, other great baseball classics. I think it absolutely deserved to be there. But adding in the whole inducting Homer and having somebody show up in a se- essentially like a mascot Homer outfit um, to accept his plaque, I, I don't know. I I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. It was just pretty lukewarm. I, I didn't. I didn't. Even as the a big Simpsons nerd, I didn't dig it. Yeah, I, I think for me, I'm I'm just kind of mellow most of the time. I don't pick fights with anybody, and I just thought it was really cool the way they decided to have fun with the whole thing. And you know, the episode itself obviously is celebrating baseball, and anything that celebrates baseball belongs in obviously a baseball museum. Uh, I thought it was just so obviously fake and staged that there's no way anybody could be insulted by it. But I I guess, you know, that was my fault for assuming too much. And sometimes I do that, like, you know, we're all human. And that's not really an excuse, but that's just the way I felt about it. I didn't think, you know, I did make the joke that, you know, Homer Simpson got in before, say, Barry Bonds or Jim Edmonds or Kenny Lofton or... Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker, et cetera, et cetera, right? But uh, right. he's not a real inductee. The fact is that the it's the iconic episode and not Homer himself that's in the Hall of Fame. Right, yeah. I guess I guess the best way to say it to soothe anybody's anger over it would be um, they were inducting the episode, but the kind of fun way that they did it was kind of a mock induction of Homer Simpson. I don't know if that makes it better for anybody who really hated the whole idea, but um, you know, when when you go to the Hall of Fame, you're not going to see Homer Simpson next to Greg Maddox and Babe Ruth and uh, someday Mike Trout. You're, you're just not going to see that in there. All you're going to see is that, that section of, of the hall where you can go learn about great baseball media of the past um, and cool movies and, and episodes of the Simpsons. Yeah. And uh, have you, have you had a chance to go there yet with your family? I have not. Um, it's on my bucket list to, yeah. to make it to the hall of fame. Obviously I've, uh, I've been a baseball fan since I was about 11 or 12 years old. Um, and life has just never taken me out to Cooperstown. So, 
Um, it's one of those, you know, you want to plan the trip to go out there, but there's always places that uh, your wife would rather go. Right. So, yeah, so we're, we're going to Ireland in a month. That that was on the list ahead of uh, ahead of Cooperstown. So, well, I um, mean, on the way yeah. back, you can always fly in. But the unfortunate thing is that the Baseball Hall of Fame is in the middle of freaking nowhere. So, right. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that's that, the problem. That puts a damper on things. But if you ever get the chance, especially when, like, your daughter gets a little older and she's able to go to games with you and appreciate it more – it, it's a great place to take a family. It's actually a really wonderful museum. I've only been there once, and I just got a membership this year, and I don't think I can go this year, but it's – yeah, I, I have to say that I really enjoyed my one visit there. Yeah, that I mean, that sounds perfect. My daughter is five, so she's just kind of starting to get into baseball. Uh, she knows that's what daddy does for his work, which I think is pretty funny. Um, when she, when people ask her, you know, what her daddy does and she says that he writes about baseball, um, <laughs> it's so normal to her and, and she, and she's five, so she doesn't always enjoy sitting and watching baseball, but you know, she's, she's way more into it than I was at a five-year-old. So I know, I know that's something that she'll probably enjoy going to do and maybe she's 10, 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. And, uh, we, we had talked about your press pass this weekend. That sounds wonderful. Are you able to take her there, or is it just for you? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's just for me. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, writing a piece on uh, Dexter Fowler uh, for the Sporting News. Um, I'd never been credentialed for a major league game uh, during the regular season before. Um, most I'd ever done was a I was credentialed a couple years ago by the Brewers uh, during spring training and went out and and uh, spoke to several of the players. Um, you know, and talked to them about the rebuild and got to talk to a few of their prospects. And then um, I've done a lot of minor league stuff for, for 2080 baseball. I go to uh, Peoria Chiefs games, which is it used to be the uh, single-A affiliate of the Cubs. Now it's the single-A affiliate of the Cardinals. So I, I go out and uh, you, you can generally find some of my stuff. Uh, I tweet that out pretty frequently uh, at 2080. Um, I recently did a piece on Dylan Cease, uh, Cubs pitching prospect i interviewed him when he when he went through peoria um but yeah that's uh that's pretty much all i've done the cubs had credentialed me for the cubs convention but never for games and uh now i'm getting my chance so i'm going up there friday and probably saturday as well to talk to uh fowler and a few of the cardinals and then a few of the cubs players yeah so you, you make sure to tweet that stuff out because i will totally pimp the heck out of that because that sounds like super interesting uh that's probably the Cubs' very first chance to make some steps back into the central race and to overtake the Cardinals because right now I think they're about to fall behind the Cardinals unless the Dodgers stage a comeback. Yeah, I haven't been paying attention to the score, but I know Cardinals jumped out to a lead early. Um, but yeah, that's uh, I, yeah. If we're if we're looking at it just from a uh, from the standpoint of needing to start win games and not have this losing streak go too much longer, they really have to take two out of three in this series, um, and that'll, that you know, get them back to even in the in the NL Central. And um, I guess if we're looking at uh, just from from 
the standings point of view, the Cubs are so lucky that nobody else is is good in the division. I mean, they're, they're not playing in the NL West. Imagine if they had the Rockies and the Diamondbacks in their division and, and how much fans would be freaking out with the Cubs two games under 500 and, you know, six or seven games back in the division. I mean, that that would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah, it's already a nightmare because we have to deal with so much negativity and, you know, sending Schwarber or Russell or Hap back to the minors and whatnot. But I just feel like this is my own personal philosophy, but I like the fact that after they finally got this 100-year-old monkey off their back, they won everything. This is the perfect time for this super young roster to struggle and figure themselves out in time for the stretch run where they hopefully like blow away the competition and get back in the playoffs and make another deep run. Like I would prefer that they have their slump now instead of like 20, uh, 2007 or 2008 when they made the playoffs, but then just laid an egg right away. Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously you would, you would rather them, uh, them do this after winning the world series because that's when the fan base is at its happiest. Although I don't know, Cubs fans have kind of surprised me. Uh, I thought people would be way more mellow, uh, at least in the early portions of the 2017 season coming off the world series win. And I still, I still see people tweeting about it. I still see people saying, but it's okay. The Cubs won the world series. And, And I get that. But, man, Cubs fans did not mellow out one bit. Um, and it start, It's an interesting psychological study. I, I really want to know now um, if it wasn't the 108-year drought and all that pressure and all the talk about it and things like Goats and Bartman and things that all Cubs fans were so tired of hearing about, if that wasn't what made Cubs fans so psychologically fragile uh, – if if winning the World Series didn't cure that, then what is it? Because they're still just, you know, I, I'm probably making a lot of people angry, but still, man, it, it's just painful to see uh, people reacting the way they are to basically just a slow start. Yeah, and I, I really don't know. I feel like a lot of people have a football mentality, the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately mentality, and a lot of them aren't super hardcore fans like you or I. They are casual fans who tune in and kind of expect a certain result and don't understand the inherent weirdness that is baseball. Yeah, and that's a good point. I think the football mentality is uh, is very true because uh, I like to compare how football is exactly – uh, you know, one-tenth as long as a baseball season. So uh, basically one game in the NFL is 10 games in, in Major League Baseball. So uh, I can understand that how over the course of, uh, of a 10-game period, you may ride this amazing roller coaster of emotions that you wouldn't in an NFL season where it's also immediate. Um, but it's just uh, it's difficult for me to, to watch fans go put themselves through through this stuff when, I mean, do people remember that the Cubs were basically a 500 team uh, at the all-star break in 2015? I mean, the, that team won 97 games. They went on a huge run in the second half. And if you wanted to argue that, well, that team had better starting pitching, they really didn't. Uh, that team had a struggling young Kyle Hendricks who couldn't get through the fifth inning of any games. Um, they had Jason Hamill who was getting blown up in the second half. They had to trade for Dan, the, the ghost of Dan Heron, um, 
they basically just had uh, superstar Arietta and John Lester, and that was it. So, and uh, the bullpen was terrible in the second half that year, and they still went on that amazing run. So, I would tell people, don't freak out. Uh, just understand that this is what it is. You have, if there were one front office in baseball that you wanted running things to have to make changes on the fly, you have Theo Epstein. So. Uh, he'll he'll examine what needs to be fixed, and it wouldn't shock me at all to see a trade for for a pitcher coming in the next month or two. Yep, we had actually talked that about that on the main podcast, and so you guys can listen to side A. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, uh, Dab and I went a little too long; otherwise, we will splice you into the main podcast. But we figured uh, too much pod is going to make everybody a little bit angrier at us than. They already are because we're always kind of like, you know, it's baseball. Stuff happens, and what you're going to do, we'll just wait it out. Because, honestly, like, there are no, I guess the word is fungible, pieces on this roster. They are here to stay for a very long time. And these are the guys that you're going to ride or die with. Right, yeah, that's the other thing is this isn't your 2009 Cubs where a lot of these guys have one foot out the door. Um, you can make that argument like we have on on the starting pitching, where some of these guys are going to turn over. But you know, this uh, this roster in the outfield and in the infield and at catcher, this is who you have, and you're rolling with these guys. Uh, you're not going to make a trade for a bat, which is something Theo Epstein said recently, um, because this is who you have. These are your guys. These who are the guys who won you the World Series. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's a very good point to just close this uh, segment on because the Cubs did win the World Series and these are the same guys who won the World Series for us, the fan base and for them, the the entire franchise, like this is a big deal and I think uh, I, I don't know, it just seems like a lack of appreciation for what they have done and what they said they were going to do you just need a little bit more patience and it takes I guess, a special type of fan to be patient. I think uh, at some point we probably are going to lose our patience because if this becomes a seven or an eight game losing streak, now we're kind of a little more angry. But I still think given a hundred and whatever games left, I think it's exactly 110 games left at this point. Mm. Uh, Anything can happen. And we hope that that anything is the good kind of anything. Yeah, uh, I I would still say to everybody just to take a deep breath and let let things take their course. If I wanted to say that there was a moment where you could uh, realistically start to worry or panic, I would say um, if it's the start of July or the All Star break and the Cubs are seven or eight games back in the division, then then maybe go ahead and start panicking. But um, as of right now, they're a game and a half or two and a half back in the division, whatever happens. Uh, I, I didn't pay too close attention to the Brewers today, so um, they, they're going to be fine. I would not worry about this team one bit. Yep. And I, I know we always joke about scoreboard watching and whatnot, but uh, honestly, I, I don't think uh, even if the Cubs are watching the scoreboard, they got to take care of the business first, and I, I think some of them do watch the scoreboard for fun, but they know that what they're capable of, that it's reflected in their statements, it's reflected in the front office's statements, and if they're calm, then why why shouldn't we be calm? 
that's a good way to say it. I don't think these guys are panicking, so why should we? I'm sure they're kind of pissed off at themselves for not doing as much as they know they could be doing, but uh, otherwise, I, I feel like when they get home, they're still going to have fun with their Anchorman outfits. Like Brett Anderson had this funny tweet about burning them all because of the 0-6 road trip, but <laughs> I, I, I felt like they had a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, at some point, maybe they'll start sniping at each other and have beer and chicken incidents, but uh, I don't think it's going to come to that. They'll, they'll figure it out. And I think one of the best things that we as fans can do is just have faith that they will figure it out. Yeah, that's uh, well said. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know, like, with family and with, you know, writing for 785 different publications that you your day is really stuffed up. But uh, it, it's really fun to talk to a fellow Cubs fan. I don't recall why we followed each other, but, you know, we always talk. And it, it's been a great interaction, and I really appreciate having you on our Dreamcast. Absolutely. I, I never mind uh, making time to do anything, you know, any stuff like this. I, I absolutely love when people ask me to come on their podcast and talk sports. Um, it's honestly, I, I feel honored when anybody wants uh, to have me come on and talk about baseball. So uh, anytime you'd like to have me on, I'd be happy to oblige. It was more than just a game. You can totally hear the fan back there, can't you? Sorry about all the sound issues and whatnot. I'm still wor working on it, but uh, thank you for listening to the Dreamcast. You can find us at WorldSeriesDreaming.com. You should also probably email us, WorldSeriesDreaming at gmail.com, because I'm pretty sure you guys have a lot of complaints right now about the Cubs, and we'd love to hear them for our next Dreamcast. Until then... Go Cubs. It was more than just a game.